Welcome to the Raj Project, a podcast covering no bullshit, 100% real, raw, and unfiltered rags to riches stories from amazing human beings around the world with emphasis on life, personal development, family tech, and marketing. Of course, I'm your host, Ivan Temelkoff, and today I am joined by Rebecca Louisa Smith. Hello, welcome to the show. Hi, Ivan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And before we start chatting further, I want to give a little bit of a preface about Rebecca and who you are. So an award-winning film festival strategist, published author, and a real doctor with a PhD in film studies. So I have to say, you have to be, no, you have, you are the first uh, person on this podcast that has anything to do with film. So this is absolutely a monumental point of this podcast. Wow. Before we get into that, I I know you have a book that you wrote. Let's, Let's go way back and tell us a little bit about your story, your upbringings, where you've been, what you've seen. I want the viewers and the listeners to kind of get to know you a little bit and where you came from. Okay, so thank you very much for the intro. It's great to be here and welcome all the listeners. Nice to uh, to be connected with you. So my background is quite interesting because what I thought I wanted to do and was supposed to be doing in my life was academia. So I began working um, as a personal assistant and I liked doing that, but then I got more interested in, you know, doing more bigger projects and, and doing like, you know, a, a master's degree and that kind of thing in film because mm-hmm. I'm film, really interested in film. And then a friend of mine said, oh, because you like film and you like Quentin Tarantino, why don't you just keep doing research? On and I was like, why not? So I carried on doing that in between, like, you know, committing to teaching and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, to a degree, but I didn't maybe say love it, but then I seemed to be able to do it all right at it. And then I was at um, a friend of mine who runs a film festival in Aberystwyth called the Abattoir Horror Festival in Wales. He said to me, do you want to help out like with me at the festival? Because I don't know what I'm doing and I need some support because I've been asked to go on a film festival by the Film Council of Wales because it isn't a horror festival in Wales at this time. It's, you know, and here's a student area. So it'd be really good. They want this to have a horror festival. So do you want to help? I was like, yeah, I love films. I'd love to do it. So this hobby and this distraction from the PhD writing that every day, when I started to do it, I was like, oh, hang on. I really like this. I think I like it more than my PhD in academia. Mm-hmm. Let me for a few days and see if this is right. Then after you know quite a long time, I realized that I didn't want to be in academia any longer. When somebody at the conference turned around and said, isn't academia the best thing in the world? I said, no, I'm definitely not on the same page. I'm not on the same page. I belong in the film industry. And it was there when I found my business because I said to filmmakers, I asked them all the time at the festival, what they like and dislike about film festivals. And they always said, you know, we love festivals because we get to have our film screen, we get to win awards, we get to uh, celebrate it and meet mm-hmm. people. But we actually don't know, don't know what we're doing. We don't know who to turn to to get our films into festivals, which is hoping for the best. So I thought, I know what to do. I can solve this problem. I've got the knowledge. I can make this work. And now I have. So that's where we are. So a massive change direction in the career. Awesome. So that's real interesting. You took a you took a hobby and turned it into a career. But I think that there was always a passion for film that, yes. that you always had. It's just I think a lot of people, this is real interesting, is I think 
a lot of people spend a good portion of their life trying to figure out, you know, their passion and what they truly enjoy doing. Uh, uh, now, some find it early on. Now, most of us, I feel like, you know, go through halfway through our lives until we discover, like, this is what we were truly meant to do. But I'm curious to know, was there something specific that drew you towards film? Well, I think you're right in terms of like the hobby into a career, because that's actually what I should be mm -hmm. doing. But interesting as it was. Um, and I actually love the business of film. Um, so mm -hmm. I, at one point, I love going to cinema. I do like that, but I actually love the business of film and, and you know, getting film seen is that, that's what I love the most. But I have always had a passion for film and that has been since I was born because my dad um, would always come back from his job and watch films and stuff and I always watch them with him and I used to really like them and I know them all about it and I know the research and look on IMDb. So I was very, very passionate about film and mm -hmm. then it was more, less about watching them to actually more about working in industry, which is quite different. Also, I know how these kind of bigger films are, um, are made. So now I have a different kind of perception to what I used to when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I have to say that I'm a fan of film myself, and I think it's mainly because of storytelling. Yes. Uh, I love stories. And I think uh, we as human beings, you know, we, we create a relatability through stories and film is the best way to do that because film tells long form stories about certain things, certain events, or they're fiction or they're nonfiction or both for that matter. So I'm curious to know, as you were getting into film, and it's interesting you said that I didn't want to do academia. Now, that's real interesting because a lot of people that do get into academia, you know, look at it from, hey, I want to be a teacher. I want to educate. I want to share information and reciprocate to other human beings so they can take that knowledge and apply it. But you said, no, academia is not a fun thing for me. I want to do film. So what were the early days of film like for you? Like, how did you get into, was it the production? Was it the acting or was it both? It was predominantly how I got into film was actually the film festival world. Um, so I did at one point dabble in the beginning. I was a PA for a film director, um, mm -hmm. loved doing PA work. And then I realized that I do like the industry of film because it's very different to say a, a corporate job. <laughs> it's a lot more fun, creative and off the wall in the film industry. And people are quite different types of people, creatives compared to say, people who work in an office every day who are in the corporate world, you know, it's a very different industry. Sure. It really is. You couldn't put the two together, you know, like chalk and cheese. Um, so I liked that a lot. And then I saw how things, you know, got made in the process that it, it took. And I did actually produce, I did produce a um, short film. So I have got that under my belt and it was very good. Um, but it's just the, the process of it. I hated doing it. I mean, I did it and I proud of the end product, but I didn't actually like the producing job. Um, mm -hmm. It wasn't what I wanted, but actually it was what I found. What I do like producing is film festivals because that's a whole different thing altogether. I mean, it's producing like a film, but without maybe having to organize people and casting calls and that kind of thing. It's very different in raising funds. You have to raise the funds for the festival, but it's a very different way in engagement and different whole thing altogether. And it's mm -hmm. a world really sunk into really easily and I really enjoyed. Um, you know, it was still hard work and hard graph, which I love doing. It was just a different kind of context in the film industry. Sure. So you did some production, but you also did some film festivals. And it sounds like you really enjoyed the film festivals more than anything, right? More than anything was the film festivals. Yeah. I mean, with the producing the short, it was 
it was fun on the day with the shoe and everybody turned up and it was a really lovely energy and that was good but it's just everything in between after that it's it's a lot different compared to a film festival the film festival is different because um it's all about creating a different kind of experience so making yeah. the film for an audience but with the um film festival what i love was doing the programming and we always got you know to program the films and we'd be really strict and what we would have it and what we haven't and then i learned about programming through that but also what was good was my job at the festival was looking after the guests. So I'd be like the concierge and I love doing that. You know, when they walk in, I'd take them to the hotel and take them around the Aberystwyth mm-hmm. in the area they were in and what hotels to, well, sorry, what restaurants to go to, what to do. You know, it was really one-on-one. And I really loved that actually. I took them to dinner and just be their like first point of call. And some people didn't like the rooms they were in the hotel. So I'd have, you know, I'd sort that out, which I wouldn't bother me because it's part of the job. So that was really fun. Um, but yeah, all sorts of kind of things like that. So yeah. Really- so is the uh, I'm curious to know the difference between the pro- uh, the production and then also the the festivals. So is it the production is more of a management type of thing, and then the festivals are more like you know event planning. Actually, like you said, they're more holistic e- experience. Can you elaborate upon that based on your experience? Yeah. So the festival is predominantly event planning. So with the with the film, you have to deal with people, <laughs> and, actors, um, and that can be a challenge depending on what kind mm-hmm. of agent they have. If they've got an agent that is easy to deal with, can be quite enjoyable. If it's a difficult agent that wants certain things, they want you to pay for the stuff, it's a lot more hassle and it's quite a lot of extra, it's hard, extra hard work that you don't really need. It just depends on egos. Um, but also with a film, it's, you know, it can be even I think it could be harder because raising funds for independent film, yeah, hard work. I mean, luckily with this, I didn't have to raise the funds because it was there, you know, so we had the funds already. Um, but doing that for a feature film is hard work. Isn't same for a short, but I mean, the feature is yeah. more, so it's it yeah. is hard work. It is really hard work. Um, and you know, there are films that are in development for ten years or more because of raising funds, and people have to to that every single day. You know, so it's not the easiest thing. Uh, whereas you have to raise funds for the festival, so that's still there, but it's different applications, different application yeah. yeah. So you're getting deals with locals that you know, like, for example, um, where it was hosted at the Aberystwyth Arts Centre in Aberystwyth in Wales for the festival. Because we knew them, we got good deals, so we have to raise extra funds. Whereas, mm-hmm. to say with the film, you have to then, you know, I remember when we were, we were shooting in the Thames in, in UK and in, in London in the, in the Thames, and uh, we had to like get this haggle a deal. I mean, it was this area we were in could have cost like $50 to film in, but they wanted 500. So we had to haggle and haggle and all this kind of thing because we've been trying to prove what we yeah. were. Yeah. Oh, you know, and it's different with the film festival, honestly, because that's a lot more, it's more welcoming. Because <laughs> uh, sure. festival, sure. you know, to help their community. Yeah. And the reason I asked is I actually have a friend who's who's an actor and uh, I remember they did... Um, uh, a Batman indie film and um, it was like a, a kind of like a spinoff of the Batman basically and he played the Batman but I remember uh, when when before they actually started shooting it and it was a verse I think it was only like a hundred thousand dollar budget or something like that but I remember that I think they spent 
probably eight to 12 months on just, you know, fundraising for the film itself before they would actually go to production, actually start shooting. And I remember seeing the trailer coming out, which was very well put together. I mean, the cinematography was phenomenal. Obviously had a a good person, you know, good producer uh, behind it. But uh, I was curious in hearing, since you've been in this space for quite a while, on what your take was. Um, the question I want to ask you, since, you know, this was a hobby for you when it started out. Now, it's obviously it's it's your career. But what challenges did you face when you got into this? I'm curious to know mainly from like, you know, an entrepreneurial standpoint, because this was every bit of an entrepreneurial endeavor. Right. Exactly. The biggest thing uh, was proving my worth. So when I found this gap in the market, I went online to figure out who else was doing the same thing as I wanted to do. And there was mm-hmm. one company at the time, there are more now who obviously all do great jobs, but there was one called company called Film Festival Secrets. And he did a similar thing. I wanted to do more than him to expand upon his model, but I love what he did and he's great at what he does. But um, a lot of people said, you know, what you've got is a great idea and there is a demand for it. So you've proven that, but you, what you're asking now is there's no track record. You can't compare it to something else. So you're going to have to work for free in the beginning. And they were so right because I had to like sell this idea to people, sell this model to trust me. And I had no, nothing to prove it on. So I had to take on a film for free. And I did about three or four films for nothing. And then I actually got, you know, results from that. I could prove this model worked. People saw it working. And then I was like, well, you should speak with her to get the film into the festival. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, so that was a massive challenge because... I had nothing, I had nobody to talk to about it. I mean, I was having to make up to go along and trial and error, lots of trial and error. But I dedicated myself 110% to it to make it work, my whole life to it. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's lots of tweaking still with everything else. Because back in the day, in like 2010, 2009, when I had this idea and I wanted to do this, in a, I only had Google to use in a forum to search because <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Twitter were not used as widely as they are now. So right. you know, I mean, they were there, but it was more like, you know, Facebook was for friends, <laughs> not really a business. So it was, you know, they were there, but they weren't used like they were now. We wouldn't know how to use them back then. So there was nothing online for film festivals in, you know, like on, on socials because it was too new, you know. So I was right. like, oh, I've got the Google as a friend. But he was a great blueprint, that that festival, that film is all secret. So he's great at what he does. And he still does it now. He's wonderful. I wanted to do more than what he offered. So it was obviously having to prove that through learning on the job, basically. So I heard you say in the beginning that you did some films for free to prove worth, right? And I'm curious to know, because I think in the entrepreneurial community, there's every bit of that in the beginning. It's just that it's almost like you're going to have to do some free work before you actually prove your worth, like you say, to where they know people know that you're capable, that you have some talent, you have skill that you bring to the table. You're reliable. Also, you're trustworthy, which is a really, really big, big thing. So, you know, doing that free work, it was kind of essential to create that runway for yourself. But then once you did that, and I'm curious to know, as you were doing these, these, this free work, right? Like, what was the driving factor behind this? Like, did you have a driving factor that was like, okay, this, like thinking in your, in the back of your mind, this is going to pay off. This is going to pay off. Right. Like, was there something or some things 
that kept you going? Because after all, this was a hobby. You were trying to make it into a career, but you're doing all this free work and there's so much uncertainty. But was there something that like kept pushing and saying, okay, this will work. This will work. It'll happen. And what was that? That was my sole purpose telling me that to never, never let you down your sole purpose. So Mm -hmm. purpose is basically what you're born to do and start the book. But it means that it's the thing that you were put on this earth to do that kind of career. So it's not doing a job like I thought I should do in academia, you know, something just to, you know, thoughts. People said I should do it because I liked it. It actually wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. What I should be doing was film festival management and my business and working in the film industry. Um, so it was amazing when you had that feeling because your sole purpose is something you can you can do this hobby or craft or whatever it is for like 24-7, never get bored. And time passes, lunch and dinner passes, you forget all about that. Um, and also you wake up drawn to it with excitement and ideas and buzzing and committed to a desired outcome. That's what there is. And it was that that kept me going. Mm-hmm. People saying to me, you know, this is a massive risk. You've got no backup plan. You know, what are you going to do if it fails? And you're going to be in London all by yourself, not in Wales, and all safe in Wales. You're going to be in a big city, you know, which is really expensive, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, well, don't put that fear in me because I know I can do this. So I had to like go through fear to get yeah. to the side because no one was really supportive. Because um, no one, well, people were supportive, but they were just like, you know, it's it's going to be a journey. And it was a journey. Sure. And I was determined because that's when I found virtual techniques to help me, you know, so I wasn't on my own. I was like co-creating, but my God, it was something else. And you know, I read books all the time. I'd be up all night reading books. I'd do a part-time job to keep it flowing so I could pay rent. Mum and dad were still supportive, but not financially because at that point, you know, I had to deal by myself mm-hmm. with that. I didn't want them to, um, but it was fine. Um, and it got off the ground. I mean, it was, it was stress on the body. It really was, but none of us look after your body. I know I don't do that anymore, but yeah, it was certainly a journey. Yeah. Well, and the reason I asked is that, you know, I think I think that that mentality is essential for any entrepreneur. You know, if you if you feel that you found your purpose and, and that passion, you know, that calling for what you want to do is, you know, you have to be resilient and relentless in your pursuit to make that happen. Um, the other thing that you mentioned, because I know personally I've struggled with this as well, is just that I think too many people that are in pursuit of their purpose uh, are seeking approval from others. Uh, like you said, you know, there were people that were cheering you on, but, you know, they didn't really feel like ultimate support. And at the end of the day, I mean, the only person really, you know, that I realize personally that needs that validation and support that you're looking for is yourself. Do you believe in yourself that you can do this? Do you believe that, you know, you, you can make this a, a career? And you did. And that's what he took. And I think I was actually Googling your name, believe it or not. I finally got a chance. I saw your IMDB and, and, and a bunch of information on Google. Ironically enough, you said Google. But I also noticed that, you know, uh, you've won over 800 different awards for your clients and supported over 850 creatives to achieve their filmmaking dreams. I mean, that's a substantial amount of people. So it only goes to show that the fact that you bet on yourself, and I'm a firm believer of that, is that you got to bet on yourself because nobody else will bet on you. So if you don't bet on yourself, on your strengths, on your purpose, on your passion, and go all in on it, which is what you did, and meaning go all in is you did free work just to prove that you were capable. And I think that's it is a lot of people, 
you know, a lot of, especially new entrepreneurs are afraid to do that because, well, it's the fear. And you said that you, you overcame that fear, but I think in part that fear was self-induced as a result of what you were hearing from the outside world. And that was telling you that, no, no, you're not cut out for this. You're not meant for this. That's who. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, only, you know, the answers deep down, you know, you have to trust yourself. It's hard to trust Mm -hmm. yourself when you've got people being negative around you or say, you know, like, Oh, it won't do this. Don't be silly. Or the kind of listen, you got this plan back up. But you know, if you ask and then ask the universe to help you with it, then then you'll get it. You know, you'll get the answers come in some way. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It is something that, is hard to do um, in the beginning because you have to build up that client base. Um, so it is important to, you know, to do those for you. And also that gets good word of mouth. It's a snowball technique. And film is all predominantly word of mouth. All of my work tends to be, I'd say, 85% through what we call strategic partnerships. So recommendations, referrals, repeat clients. Yeah. Um, and obviously then sometimes socials, but socials act as a good backup as proof, you know, like just proof of the worth, or I suppose maybe it might be a word, or yeah. like trust. Um, because it's uh, showing the results, it's showing the evidence of what you're talking about, you know, so it's very useful for that. And I like engaging on it too, because it's good to have that following because people do see it and they do confirm that they do want to reach out. So it is very good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You get it. I, I think it's, you know, whether you're a solopreneur, you're a business is social is so essential because like you said, it gives that social proof. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say necessarily validation, but some level of credibility and, and belief uh, to where people, you know, resonate with what it is that you're doing, whatever it is. And so it's interesting that, you know, you, you said that, that it adds to that level because people do need to talk about you also. They don't, it doesn't have to be a ton of people, but they do need to talk about it. And it's because of what you said is just that a lot of your, a lot of the business, the way you've built it, it has been through strategic relationships and referrals, which I mean, that's the essence of actually how you build a business or how businesses were built in like the traditional days before social media was all referral was all relationships. It doesn't matter if you're, if you got a proto stand or you're trying to build, you know, uh, a filmmaking business, you know, principally it's the same. It's about relationships, you know, it's about referrals and it's about, okay, you say you can do something. Can you do it? I think that's where social media kind of fails a little bit because everybody's, <laughs> everybody says they can do a lot of things. And when push comes to shove, it all sounds great in theory, but the practicality aspect of it is a little different. Um, exactly. It's, yes, a big difference there um, because it can be you know, like show and, you know, show, don't just tell, show it than just saying you can, you've got to show the proof. Right. Absolutely. So how long have you been in the, in the film space now? Um, it's been 10 years, actually. It'll be 10 years because my company's been going for 10 years now. So probably just a little bit before, without but 12, well, probably maybe 12 years, actually, um, with the festival, but actually got off the mm-hmm. ground with the business. Then it was definitely, it's been on for 10 years. So had the anniversary uh, coming up, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's been that, that long time. It doesn't feel like it, though. I have to say it's gone really quickly, really quickly. Yeah. Well, as they say, is when you're doing what you love, time flies, right? <laughs> exactly. It's like with the sole purpose thing is that it, time passes and you don't realize it because you're just so engrossed, engrossed in it and loving what you do. You know, mm-hmm. uh, 
that's why it's pretty nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to talk about your book here in a little bit, but before we would get into that, I want to ask you a couple more questions about film. Uh, one of them is, what would you say is maybe the one thing you enjoy the most about being in this space? The one thing I'm about the film industry is I just love getting films seen. I just love how we can create that success for the client and get it into a film festival, winner awards, nominations, you have a really good screening for the for the filmmaker is what I love doing. Mm -hmm. So it's getting that film out there is my favorite thing in the world. And seeing such quality talent as well. And people that make films for like really low budgets, you know, they look cinematic, yeah. strong. It's incredible to see and it's a joy to work with. That's awesome. That's awesome. The fact that, you know, you help those film those films be seen because there's a lot of films out there that I think don't see the light of day, you know. Um, there's, loads. there's loads i mean there has been a bit more films coming to the surface because of the pandemic because people need more content to watch yeah. so fusion companies have been taking on more things which is really good um but there's a lot that don't because of they haven't got a strategy to get it out there they don't know how and you know their expertise is making it but they don't know how to to get it out there it's a very different mm -hmm. job the, and the other question before we talk about the book that I wanted to ask you is, can you share a little bit about kind of the process of like making your process of making that film happen, bringing it to light? What does that look like? I think a lot of viewers and listeners are probably curious, especially those that don't know what it takes, you know, to bring a film to light a day. But can you share a little bit about what that process looks like? Yeah, so it's very important, first and foremost, to have a strategy. You, know, you must have a very focused plan for your film. It needs to be bespoke to your film as well. If it's going to be general, meaning like, you know, it's just um, random festivals that probably are the wrong ones for your film, it won't get mm -hmm. seen. So it's very important to be precise and do and plan very carefully for getting the film out there. Um, so my advice would be is to always think of the end result in the beginning. Sometimes people can make a film and then think, oh, what do we do with it? You need to really think of the end result, what your plan is, what your vision is. It becomes part of the package in the beginning, at the very beginning of the film. So in development phase, when you're, when you're, when you're financing the film and trying to get it off the ground, it's important to say, right, here's the vision. Here's what we want to do with it. Here's what we want to get it seen. Here's what you want to do with the film in the end and how we're going to get it sold. So that's really crucial. Uh, I mean, it's fine if people make that you know, thing where they go, what do I do with it now? It's fine. You know, we can help them with that. But I would advise to really get that clear at the beginning so that you can get the investment and get it seen. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really interesting that, that you said um, strategy also, because I think that's essential with anything. I think a lot of people don't realize is that it doesn't matter. I mean, what space or what industry you're in and not just film is I think strategy is essential because I think especially new entrepreneurs kind of, you know, hope to, you know, throw shit up on the wall and hope it sticks type of thing. And I think especially now in the pandemic, you made a really good point also is that a lot of people are are demanding more content. I mean, Netflix is on, is on the uprise and Hulu and a bunch of other services is because guess what? A lot of people are still stuck at home and sitting on the couch. And what are you doing, Roku or, you know, on-demand TV? And you're trying, in fact, I think I heard that Netflix is pumping out several new movies per month now because of the rise of this demand of on-demand content. 
because we live in that, you know, digital era that everything is on demand on my own time, on my own device, you know, all my TV, all my, all my phone. So, uh, that actually, I think brings, you know, uh, the point to that there's a much stronger need for film now and content is because I think people just have more time, you know, to absorb more content. Yes. It is. I mean, Netflix used to be very picky and very, very strict to be really hard to get on. And it still is. Mm -hmm. But they've now got a bit more space because they want to keep giving more content um, to people because they don't want to keep watching the same things. I mean, Netflix has got stuff, but it hasn't got a huge amount, but it has now because they need to give more choice. Now they've got more subscribers. And the same with Amazon, the same with Google. You know, it's really important to have that. Um, you know, Google... Yeah. Um, what's it called? Just a Google Play or something it is. You know, so all of these con these are need content and they have got room for independent film now, I feel. Um, yeah. so there's more flexibility and festivals um, need to keep the quality content coming in too because they've had to move online as well during the pandemic. Most of them have, not every single festival because it depends what country they're in because of how they manage the virus. Um, but, you know, in terms of festivals in the US, not all of them are running. There are some, but only a small few. Um, at the moment in time right now as I'm talking in like you know February 2021 um, but they soon will open up they've moved online and online needs great content you know and they need to have great films you know, they need to find them first and it's just a yeah. private screening so you know it's still protected yeah yeah absolutely you know I um, I wasn't uh, I think through 2020 I didn't watch a whole ton of on demand but I feel like now in 2021 it's just like I'm almost like giving in and I gotta say I'm a sucker for a good film personally I mean I love a good story you know in, yeah. a, in a longer form and um, you know there's there's a few out there uh, I think that they're really good they gotta you know have the actors in it you know usually the A-list the Hollywood and it's gotta have a really really good uh, plot to it also, you know, but uh, just to round out this question, thank you so much for alluding, you know, into the process. Uh, I think a lot of people don't know how much it actually goes into it. And the biggest thing is the strategy uh, that is so important because, you know, you got to have a strategy in, a, in anything, you know, you got to no, have. Absolutely. A absolutely. And it has to be very focused. Um, mm -hmm. So it is the right kind of plan for the film. So without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your book. So you, you have a new book called Born to Do It, Becoming the Leader of a Business Niche Using Powerful Spiritual Techniques. Let's talk a little bit about the, the, this book. What, what inspired you to, to write the book in the first place? So that's another massive, um, amazing accident. Um, didn't expect that at all. Um, so uh, I joined the lockdown, the first lockdown when I was living in UK back in April 2020, 2020. Um, I got asked to write like a, a depth interview and do a very detailed interview in an Indian book called Unique about unique stories and tales. So I said, well, yeah, I've got a bit of time in the evenings now. I'm not traveling to festivals. So I wrote the responses quite well. And then a publishing company read it. And then she said to me, the, the CEO said, have you ever thought about writing your own story in a book? I said, no. She said, well, it's a great story here. So think about it. Well, you and I will have a chat. So I thought about what she said. And people did respond to that interview and said, you know, they felt very much didn't feel um, alone on the journey with their business. They felt support and they liked that. I felt they could talk to me as a friend. I was like, oh, okay. So then I sat down. I thought, I know what I want to write. 
I want to write a book which teaches people um, how to tune into their sole purpose, like I did when I was at the film festival, share that personal journey, and then tell them how to start up their first business using spiritual, spiritual techniques and business practices, standard business techniques. Um, so we're all going together really quickly. And then I planned it really carefully. And I didn't want it to be a boring how-to dry business book. I wanted yeah. it to be more like personal from the heart and showing you know, how to apply these principles into your business by bringing that personal touch to it, you know, so it's more personable and not like a, you know, a, a, um, a text, like, you know, boring library books that are very dry. Yeah. That wasn't what I wanted. It was going to be a lot more fresh, original and a very unique fusion of these two principles. And that's what came out and it didn't take long to do because I knew how to plan it. And I wrote it quite well because if I'd have been distracted with flying every day and going mm-hmm. on the festival, it would be a bit slower. But I committed to it like work. So each evening after I, you know, attended a festival or watched something, I'd do like three hours of writing until the early hours actually sometimes. It took like two weeks. Then we had an editor come on board, obviously, and then she polished it up. But it felt really good. It just it was in me, didn't it? It was in there until she got out of me. So I'm really glad that she did read that article and told me to do it because it would be no book if not. Yeah. That's really interesting. And a couple of things I wanted to allude to that is, first of all, I think everyone has a story or multiple stories. And I think those stories are meant to be shared with the world. I think a lot of people out there, you know, are sort of afraid to share those stories. Uh, I know at a very early age, a very younger age, you know, there were some things that were happening in my life that were just like, you know, I knew I had a story or multiple stories to share, but I was afraid to share that story because I was so worried about the judgmental factor of the external and society and what they would think. And what's really interesting about that is what you just said is is that uh, you had the story and was meant to be extrapolated and written in a book. So it was like its own independent thing. But even more so, what I like about what you said about the book is is that I'm a huge fan of this, too, is the more personal, the better, (laughs) because I think vulnerability sells. Yes. I think from the heart sells, which is vulnerability, transparency, being direct and being relatable. Yes. So when you create that combination, which I wish I knew this 20 years ago, I shit you not. Because if I did, I probably would have written a book or two by now because it's, it's, it's true. You know, it's vulnerability. Think, think about it. Some of the best books you probably ever read, what were they? They were very vulnerable, very honest, very from the heart. Right. Because they spoke to you from from the heart. And I think that's what makes a bestseller. You know, exactly. it's a book that's that really has a powerful personal story. And, and your book did. I'm curious, as we extrapolate the book more, uh, I was reading a few bullet points on here that, you know, the book talks about how to grow your business niche and, you know, uh, energetically branding your business and solid business infrastructure and other things. And I think these are a lot of, you know, practical business things. But the one thing that your book talks about is the spiritual techniques. So I'm curious to know if you can share more about, you know, what are those spiritual techniques? Maybe give, you know, a little bit of insight into what that is, because I think that's very differentiating from like a traditional book, like you said. Exactly. Um, so spiritual techniques I draw upon are feng shui, how to apply that to your branding of your company and manifestation, doing it the way that it should be done and mm-hmm. ordering. 
Um, so people ask how that does, how it all combines, but how they combine together in the business is I talk about uh, when it comes to doing your, you know, your company branding and your website and being you, being the face of the business, but how mm-hmm. important it is to make sure that it's got the feng shui principles behind it, the right colors, the right energy and the right logo positioning. And then I talk about how to implement your daily routine um, manifesting what you want for your business and cosmic, placing cosmic orders to um, order what you want for the universe and co-create to get what you want for the business and how to do that on a daily basis, but also make it automatic in your mind each day, not like a chore, something that comes naturally. Um, Manifestation is a good one because that also ties into vision boards as well for the business too. Um, so the twist is really showing you how to integrate these into business infrastructure and not just your personal life. A lot of these books that you tend to read, not all of them, but a lot of them talk mostly about um, how to integrate, um, you know, like spiritual techniques into your, into your life, but not really the business. This is more you and your business, because obviously with it being your sole purpose, you are your brand. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. So first of all, you hit the nail on the head on that one. And here's why. So in 2020, mind you, with COVID, right, as things were very restrictive and, you know, I live in the Midwest, but other parts of the United States were far more restrictive than what we saw in the Midwest. And one thing that I decided to do is I said, you know, I've always been a personal brand guy. Like I've always done a lot of social video, always marketed myself, spoke from the heart, really shared my, you know, trials and failures, you know, successes and failures, but I never really did it like on the grander scale. Like I never really did it like, like really going all in. Well, that's what I did in 2020, double down on Instagram and Facebook and live video and with, with the podcast and, and all of that. And what's really amazing is, you know, it was a six figure plus payoff. And I was the first year in almost, well, now five years in business, basically. Wow. And here's what I realized. I mean, there are so many amazing things happen is attracted so wow. many amazing people, generated more business, but I understood and i knew this i think i just needed to do it at a grander scale is i did what you just said is that you are the brand you are the business people buy because of you and in fact under my company we did no advertising whatsoever no social i mean we're there but no proactive activity it was all under me it was all me talking about giving value basically and building likability building trust and just showing up. The biggest thing was showing up consistently. That was a yeah. really big one. And, and that has to be every day. It has to be every day. I agree 100%. And so much that this year, believe it or not, is uh, currently am in discussion with not only an investor, but also a videographer that I'm going to bring on to really double down on the personal branding and social video. Uh, because I remember, um, who was I listening to? Um, might have been like the Billy Jean or Ed Milad or both of those guys in the video. And they said, you know, the future of personal branding is a lot of social video and basically thinking of yourself as a media company, which was Gary Vaynerchuk, I believe. Oh, yeah. Talked about that. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I've been doing this. Now I just need to do it on a grander scale. So it's interesting you said that, that the spiritual, because, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm a God believer. You know, there's been a lot of amazing things that have happened in my life that are like, 
there's no way I could explain this. They're just like complete, complete anomalies. I don't even think that science could explain them. So, but what you said, the spiritual integrating that into your life and then conveying that on social media. And ironically enough, today, I actually created a post on my Facebook profile that talked about the fact that don't try to appeal to everybody. Yeah. Don't appeal to somebody. Yeah. One person. Absolutely. Your target audience. Absolutely. Yeah. If you do it, if you just spread yourself too thin and be too general, your message won't get to the right people because you're not being targeted. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's probably one of the most classical mistakes that a lot of entrepreneurs make is they just want to be accepted and liked by everybody. And I've made that mistake when I was younger. It's like, I thought, oh, everybody's going to resonate with my message. Everybody's going to like my content. You know, everybody's going to like the fact that I throw around, you know, fuck you this, fuck you that, you know, F-bombs everywhere because, you know, I'm an Eastern European. It's part of my character. And finally, in 2020, for the first time, I said, no holding back. I'm done. I'm yeah. going all in on this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's really ironic that you, that you were talking about how to integrate, really focus on your personal brand and who you are and really create as much transparency as possible. Because like we talked about in the beginning of this episode is, you know, social media echoes. And if you really, you know, uh, share information that's going to pertain to other people, you're far more likely to attract like-minded people. Exactly. So in the film space is people that would be interested in film. So the more you talk about film, the more you talk about yourself and your interests and and what you do and share kind of your day-to-day. Also, the more people can feel relatable to you. And this is not a new thing by any means. No, it's not, not, not at all. Not at all. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting that I really like how you talked about the feng shui techniques. Cause I think that is so key when I think, you know, now so many entrepreneurs are like, so worried about, Oh, like as opposed to doubling down on themselves, they're really doing things in a much more traditional fashion, which what we've seen is a lot of, even some giant companies like fall because they fail to embrace the new way to market yourself, yeah. which is through, you know, social video and your personal brand. So, which I wanted to ask, you know, with your personal brand, what are some things that you've done that has really helped you in 2020, you know, kind of expose yourself more, you know, into the digital stratosphere and how has that impacted in, you know, creating new opportunities for you? Predominantly, it's been, I've changed my strategy for social media and I'm doing more video content that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And that's just, it's just brilliant. It gets a lot more engagement on Instagram. And also it gives this um, personal touch people like. They can see how personable you are when you're not um, having just a picture or just a sort of caption or whatever. Yeah. So I'm really, someone did say that you need to do more video content. And I was like, okay, so I did. And I do these top tips for film festival strategies and tips to get into film festivals every couple of days. And it gets a really good engagement. People really find that useful and valuable. And then people have actually reached out to have it on their website and then cross promote. Yeah. So, brilliant. So they're always good. They also have a YouTube channel now. I've done a YouTube channel. I'm just going to really try and get more engagement for, but they're all on there. In other way, you know, that it's behind the scenes as well. It's like building it up to get in the right way. Oh, yeah, it's exciting. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so your book is available on Amazon to pick up and on the Kindle 
um, as as well. Uh, I just wanted to throw it out there for anyone that wants to pick this up that's interested in in the book. And actually, who is the ideal reader for the book? Who would you recommend the book for? Ideally, it would be probably predominantly women who've dabbled in spirituality but haven't quite yet know how to work out how to apply it to themselves and their business. And they're very focused on their business too. They just haven't got those final components to really excel and to, and to just like run with it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I've really enjoyed the conversation so much that, that you shared before we sign off on this episode, can you throw out some social handles, websites, anything you can think of, uh, you know, for people that, that can connect with you? So the best place to reach me will be Instagram, uh, which is at Rebecca Film DR. So that's R-E-B-E-K-A-H-F-I-L-M-D-R, Rebecca Film Doctor. And website where you can find all about me, my business, and my book would be um, RebeccaLouisaSmith.com. Awesome. Rebecca, thank you so much for this episode. So much knowledge. I I personally have learned so much and I know viewers and listeners will most definitely, hopefully, you know, uh, extract the same amount of information that I did. So thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You've been brilliant. I've really enjoyed it too. And um, I'll see you again.